Welcome back to Cali Love. I am your host, Andrea Vega. I interviewed Robert for this episode, who is a good friend of mine. His wife, Esther, sat in on the interview. You can actually hear her in the background during the recording. She was sitting in on the other room listening and provided clarification for Robert from time to time. Special thanks to both Robert and Esther for contributing to this podcast. To my listeners, please enjoy and thank you for listening. Questionnaires are these? Sure all right, I no. like that. No. <laughs> oh, Robert. Stop. <laughs> all right, go ahead, Dre. Okay. Um. <laughs> may I ask how old you are? <laughs> I'm really old. I think I'm. I'm exactly 18 years older than you. Nice. That's pretty young, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. I'm going to get some background information. Where did you grow up? I grew up mostly in Whittier. Whittier. I mean, that's kind of pretty much where I grew up. Um, uh, Downey uh, area. Okay. Um, how long have your parents been married? Wow. Since I was born? I don't know. <laughs> so, over 50 years? I think it's been, I think it's been at least, uh, yeah, maybe 60 years they've been married. 60 years. Okay. What was it like growing up with them? Um, just family tra- life in tra- general. Traditional family. Uh, dad that worked three jobs, immigrant, and mom that was a house mom. What was their relationship like, watching them grow up through your eyes? A very, as a kid? very traditional role of like uh, the way that you would see uh, all the traditional atomic families on television, from Leave It to Beaver or. You know, uh, the any of the series like Bewitched or The Brady Bunch, it was really that kind of family. How would you describe it emotionally for you? Emotionally? Yeah. How did it make you feel growing up? Feel? Yeah. I felt like a kid. <laughs> um, I mean... You loved your, your childhood then? Oh, I think I had parents. a great childhood. <laughs> I had the best childhood. I played a ton of sports. So you were in sports? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my mom. I think, I think today you have a sensitivity to the spectrum, and 
there's a very high consciousness regarding mental health. When I was a kid, they used to call it hyper. Hmm. And they used to give Ritalin for hyper kids. So that was if you had your hyper pill and you'd go to the nurse's office and get a hyper pill. Well, I was not diagnosed hyperactive, but I had all the symptoms of being hyperactive. And my mom's uh, decision as a parent was to have me exhaust my energy. So I was typically enrolled in anywhere between two and three sports a day extracurricular to where it would just exhaust me to the point of starting in the morning. And that would also keep my attention span and everything else because I would just be exhausted at the end of the day. Do you remember your first crush? A real crush or TV crush? Real crush, like you know, kindergarten, preschool, eighth grade. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember my first crush. I, um, How old were you? It was in uh, preschool. Preschool. Preschool so, all the way through kindergarten onto first grade. The same girl. The same girl. So how old are you in preschool? Five, seven? Around there. Yeah, I, I say I say five, six, seven around those those years. You want can't? What was her name? Can I ask her name? Uh, her her name. Well, <laughs> no, you can't say her name. No, it's not that I can't say her name. It's that I don't remember her name. This was oh, a long time ago. Okay, okay. So why would, uh, why did you have a crush on her? From what you can remember. Oh, she was she was the really nice girl in school that would try to help. So I remember the pigtails, and I remember the just super sweet and trying to help me because I was. This is before ESL. ESL. ESL is English as a second language. Oh, okay, got it. So this is before ESL. So we're talking about a kid from an immigrant family that didn't speak English mm-hmm. was considered slow in school because I didn't oh, yeah. speak English. Mm-hmm. So here I am, the quiet kid in school. If you can imagine, I was quiet. <laughs> and and uh, the girl was just really, really sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, really nice and would explain things to me and was very concerned, very... Uh, very tender, very, very motherly kind of thing. And I liked it. I mean, what what little boy doesn't like attention? What little boy doesn't like to be tended to? Uh, what grown man doesn't like attention? What grown man doesn't like to be tended to? Do you remember what she looked like? Oh, totally. How uh, would you describe her? When you're thinking about a child, I would think it would be the cute little... Um, it's it's almost like Cindy on Brady Bunch. It's just the cute little child. Um, I mean, she was just a cute little girl, a sweetheart. But just, your perception as a child, looking at her as another child, how would you? What was it? You remember her hair? Her you're, you're talking about asexual times. You, oh, you don't so know. it's more just like a crush, not understanding. All you know is you really like the person, you want to be around them, and you don't Got it. want to be away from them because they're really nice. And I remember when she moved, she moved to like Arizona or something. Oh, okay. Oh, and I had a, I, my heart was broken. <laughs> I would write letters every day <laughs> for like years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when do you remember having a crush, I guess, in high school or when you're older, when you're, when you understand what you're feeling more? Um, yeah, sure. I, I remember, uh, having crushes. Uh, Is there one that stands out in particular though? Um, not really. 
okay if it's a no. There was... A, I remember a crush I had that was really funny because everyone had the same crush. Oh. And she was kind of like the it girl. Mm. And she happened to be my first kiss. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, it was very <laughs> random. It was very strange. Um, we ended up going to a party... And How old are you at this point? 16 or so. Okay, high school. Yeah. And, wow. I mean, that was just... I. It was funny because no one believed... Everyone, we're talking from... The whole school had a crush on her. And she wouldn't pay attention to anyone. Yeah. So how did it happen? You went to a party and what happened? She liked me. I mean, that's... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say it. Did she make the first move? Did you? You guys were talking. I in think a room? it was. I think I think I drew the conclusion, coming from a, a very sports background, that a girl isn't alone with you to talk. So is that what happened? You guys were alone in a room. Yeah, no, not in a room outside. We were alone, and I said, "Okay, that's it. I mean, we're alone." So she kissed you, or you kissed her? I think it was mutual. Mutual kiss. Were you guys talking before? Uh -huh. Or? And I just dove in. You dove in. It was perfect timing then, right? No, but <laughs> but the timing got more perfect as the evening progressed. Did anything happen after that, like dating or nothing? Here's the funny part. So that happened, and I thought, awesome, and I got got her number and everything. Yeah. And the next day, it was like she didn't even know who I was. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little bit heartachy, and then none of my buddies believed that we ever got together. <laughs> so that was kind of oh. a crush, <laughs> the crushing crush. Oh, Robert. Yeah. How funny is that? So, what would you say your parents taught you about love from that point? From what point? From when you can remember what it feels to have a loving family to, I would say, 16, 17. What examples did they give you? What, how my, did you my, view love at that point? My dad's tremendous example of working hard and trying to get ahead for the family. Mm -hmm. I think that example of love, of people sacrificing, self-sacrificing, and just working their heart out for a future. Um, the example of my mom... Uh, trying her best to do with a zero budget and being extremely thrifty by way of buying things at the super sale, super discount. Um, there used to be something called uh, blue chip stamps. And when you go to certain markets or stores, it used to be all the markets and stores and gas stations were members, you'd collect blue chip stamps and you could go to a blue chip stamp store and let's say for every dollar you spent, you'd get a stamp. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd collect books and books and books of stamps and then you'd go to this center that had everything you ever wanted from clothing to furniture and you could trade the books of stamps for stuff. And they were called blue chip stamps. That's cool. And I remember my mom just using this system like crazy to buy everything we needed from tables and pots and pans to 
whatever. And she was always big on buying things once, but really high quality mm -hmm. instead of buying things every year. Yeah. So um, we had nice furniture and we had nice things at home, even though my dad was a truck driver, a janitor and a butcher. So in just a few words, what, what type of, how would you define love from them? A commitment, a tremendous uh, focus for family, a strong commitment to each other that you try to, try to excel and be better and just commit yourself to being a provider, to being a strong example uh, morally and ethically for your family. And that's the love that I felt from them night and day, even though my dad never made it to any of the games or any of the stuff that I did because I knew he was working. I mean, he worked nonstop. And um, my mom was the ultimate homemaker because I was a hurricane everywhere I went. So, uh, you know, just a whirlwind every, everywhere. Um, but that all changed when I was 16. I got my first car. Uh, 15, I got my first motorcycle. And once I got a car, I, I was never home. <laughs> so. How many uh, serious relationships did you have? Okay. Have you had? Not including your wife right now. <laughs> How many serious relationships? Seri not dating, not quick. I, I, I think um, I think I've only had one other serious relationship that actually trained me or prepared me that's a better word prepared me for the relationship I'm in right now how long ago was that relationship uh, 10 11 years ago maybe how long did that relationship last seven years what what went well during that relationship what went well yeah I think, I think the whole hedonistic living for self and pleasure uh, was taken out of focus. So whenever you're in a relationship, you're living for the community, not living for the self. Um, everything becomes coupled instead of singular and you start thinking outside of yourself. And that I think was the big shift, the big change in thinking which when you start thinking in a dynamic where you're a couple versus I don't care, it's my way or the highway. Um, if you don't want to join, don't come. So that was the best part about the relationship? Well, I think that's the best I took away from it because I mean, besides all the shared experiences of the, the preparing someone for a good relationship, um, I think the idea or the concept of not being singular and thinking plural, I think that's a huge takeaway to learn in any monogamous relationship. So what made you fall for her in the first place, like the first year, first year and a half? Fall? Yeah, fall for her. I'm assuming you loved her if you were with her for seven years. Well, I mean, the commitment was there. Um, I wouldn't call it falling, I would say uh, the the first thing whenever you meet anyone is typically how they look and how they act. I mean, but sadly that doesn't tell you 
what's inside and it takes years to kind of peel the onion away to figure out what the substance of someone is. So are you saying you never fell in love with her? What do you think falling in love is? What do you think falling in love is? <laughs> I don't think there's such a thing as falling in love. Okay, well how would you define it? I think either you commit yourself to love someone or you don't and the rest is obsession or some sort of some sort of uh, emotional uh, lustful want so that, did you love her well I think the commitment was there to love yes how long did it take you to feel that way about her I think it's very easy to commit yourself to someone when you see the best in someone and it's very easy to imagine someone to be almost perfect and you want to join and partner with someone like that. So what were those qualities that drew you to her? Uh, motherly, kind, um, all, all of the things image related that you would imagine in a great relationship. Okay. But then as the onion starts to peel away, you start to realize that so many of those things aren't really there. So what started going wrong? What, what year did you start realizing this might not be where you want to stay at? I noticed, I noticed something in that relationship that was very curious, that people tend to gravitate to broken people. That it's almost like you want to help heal or fix. And when you start a relationship that way it's already twisted because you're attracting for the wrong reason and now you're kind of like playing savior versus playing partner mm -hmm. and when you start realizing in her case that the fixes were never going to be fixed mm -hmm. and that the playing victim was never going to be resolved um, there was always going to be problems and then you start to realize that you start being the problem hmm. because now you're going to be the fix that the next guy's going to fix and there's always a way in relationships I believe that because I'm introspective that I blame myself hmm. oh I shouldn't have done this I shouldn't have done that I shouldn't have done the other and that's all true because I could blame myself 100% for any bad relationship. The only question would be, is anyone willing to pay the price to make a relationship good? In other words, are you willing to deal with the idiosyncrasies? Are you willing to take all the burden? Are you willing to suck it up all the time? Are you willing to pay all the bills? Are you willing to do everything that it takes to make everything right? And at one moment, I realized, you know what? I don't want this forever. I don't, I can make it work from a certain point, and I knew it. Mm -hmm. There came a point in that relationship that I realized I could make it work, and it could look pretty, mm -hmm. and it, we could tighten a bow and make it pretty, mm -hmm. but the substance wasn't there because I had a tremendous critical partner that was just completely critical from every aspect mm -hmm. and wouldn't tear me down 
I mean, would tear me down and wouldn't build me up. Mm-hmm. When I, I'll, I'll never forget, when I was about 12 years old, a friend of mine's father said something that really stuck with me. And I've said this many times, um, this little story that he told me. So here I am, I'm 12 years old. I'm at, I'm at my friend's house and we're talking about girlfriends. And my friend's dad steps out and he goes, Bobby, if you wanna get a girlfriend and you wanna get married, make sure she's right. And my buddy and I were 12 years old. We're like, make sure she's right. What the heck are you talking about? He goes, just understand there's two kinds of women in this world. And we're looking at each other and we're thinking, what the heck, we're 12 years old. What the heck is this guy talking about? He said, you're gonna have women that life is like a wagon and some women will throw all their stuff in the back of the wagon and they'll sit in the wagon and you'll be pulling and trying like hell to try to pull the wagon and all they'll do is yell at you and criticize you while you're not moving the wagon there's another kind of woman that will get out of the wagon and help you push the wagon make sure you choose the ones that help you push not the ones that tell you what you're doing wrong while they're sitting there doing nothing and that kind of stuck with me because the reality is finding a partner that's pulling instead of a partner that's criticizing i mean we can dissect any relationship we can dissect any job we can dissect anything uh regarding personal relationship or business and we can be hypercritical and i mean really criticize people to the point where we can make people cry. I mean, quite easily, you can do that about anything. Or you can be gracious, and you can be kind, and you can help people. Instead of criticize, you can help them fix things, or help them do things, or help them encourage them along the way. And really finding that right group of friends, partners, relationships, be them personal, interpersonal, or or romantic, uh, and making sure that it's someone that wants to help you, not criticize you, not pull you down, not tear you down, but encourage you and lift you, that's that's the key to a good relationship. And the reality is, in that last one I had, it wasn't that. Um, what year did it take for you to realize that? Was it- was it a slow progression or was it just no you know what you know what it is when when you're trying to be the fixer and the helper mm-hmm. you're not thinking about yourself so you're thinking you're lending a hand because they'll lend you a hand and then you realize oh there's no lending of hands it's always going to be me giving and it's never going to be enough so what year did you realize that Can it you have to be it? like year six so it was falling apart pretty much six to the last year the last year the, the last year I, I i i couldn't stick it out like i just and i came to the point of okay i can be i can be superman and do it non-stop all the time and have the image of a beautiful family that's not real there's no substance to it or i can pull away and say no thank you did you end it or was it a mutual thing i ended it she'll tell you she ended it and <laughs> It's funny because I ended it first and then she said she ended it first and I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. So. How long after that did you meet uh, your wife? 
Well, it's really funny because I had met her. I had met her without knowing I had met her. And actually, you and I had met her. Really? When? We met her at Steve's Barbecue for her birthday. That was her. That was 21st, you. 21st <laughs> birthday. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I can edit it out. Don't worry. Yeah. 21st birthday. Oh, okay. I had no idea I had met her. Don't we have Remember a photo we, of that? Remember, like, did a round of picky vegetables? Yes. I had a photo of her cousin and her sister sitting on my lap. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, I know that photo. You yeah, took it. I took it. You took it. That was you. So, but that wasn't her. She was sitting, sitting quietly so on there. the other side. Yeah, she was there. Okay. It was her party. And what had happened was this is really interesting. So, after the breakup, it kind of tore me up because it was just a lot of negativity kept replaying in my mind. Mm, yeah. And all of the criticism just kept replaying, kept replaying, kept replaying. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a dark place. And I had met a friend during that time. And that friend, absolute sweetheart, ended up taking me in with her family, which was Bibi. And it, a lot of tequila later, a lot of drinking later, a lot of uh, spending time with her family later. It turns out my friend's family didn't like my ex because they, they, they didn't like her from high school and they knew her. Oddly enough, at a, at a party, a uh, celebration for life, which was called uh, a rally for life, or uh, it was a cancer walk, I had re-met Esther. And she was working the kids department, like the children's yeah. um, kind of area. And Bibi was there and I was there because I was doing the thing with the nonprofit I work with. And it was just a great meeting with her. And at the time I happened to be dating someone else, but that was falling apart. Um, but that's when I met her. That's actually right when I met her. During the, the heartache and just the process of, did you give up on love or you just felt like you needed time? No, I don't, I don't think I've, I have never been one of thinking of there's one soul mate for you um, and once you miss the boat you miss it. Like I've never been one that thought that. I've always thought that me as an individual have to be the soul mate. I have to be right. And obviously I wasn't right if I was busy trying to fix people and thinking that would make for a great relationship. That was actually pretty naive and stupid, but being aware of trying to find someone that was more partnered and uh, more vested in an interest in the capacity of business and the idea of lifestyle. I mean, I live a challenging lifestyle. Yeah, it looks like you do. I, you know, I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I do. And and and. And I'm a challenge, and I do things challenging. I'm very challenging when it comes to doing things. So it's it's not um, it's not an easy proposition. I mean, it's, we're not talking about uh, a normal normal circumstance or ideas. Um, I mean, 
I wanted a partner that was willing to partner with me in business, that was willing to work with me, that was willing to travel with me, that was willing to do things kind of the way I do them. Not necessarily like what I do, but understand what I do. And fortunately, I found a partner that fell in love with all the stuff that I showed. Um, most of it, not all of it. And I showed on my honeymoon, my buddies had asked me, where are you going on your honeymoon? And I said, well, I'm going to take Esther to all my favorite breweries in Europe. And they said, wow, she likes beer. I said, no, she hates beer. Oh my God, are you an idiot? You're going to end up getting divorced before the marriage has even started. And I had two good friends of mine try to talk me out of taking Esther to breweries. And I said, guys, this is not what you think it is. I want to show her what I love. And I want to see what she thinks about what I love so that she knows what it is that I'm really passionate about. I'm not going to try to be someone I'm not. And sure enough, Esther ended up falling in love with all the, most of the breweries I took her, not all of them, most of the breweries. And she fell in love with the food in Germany. She, you would never think a girl from Mexican parents that lived in Whittier all her life that traveled to Colorado, lived there for a while, would be even remotely interested in German food and German beer. And here I found this girl that fell in love with all of it because it was good. And that's all. Not that it was her favorite, best, everything, but it was good. And sharing what I loved, sharing what was good, she fell in love with it because it was good. I mean, we're not talking about challenging in the sense of of disgusting, challenging in the sense of new and different and traveling. I mean, I, I took her for three months and that was a challenge. I mean, she was... She this was, was your honeymoon, right? For the honeymoon. Yeah. When I took her before that, when we got engaged, I took her for... How long was that? A month and a half? Two months. Three months for the first time? Is that right? Oh. <laughs> so we did four months on the honeymoon? Yeah, it, that's right. February to May for the honeymoon, and it was it was three months for the for the uh, engagement when I got engaged. So, how long were you guys dating before I guess you made it official as boyfriend and girlfriend labels? Did you guys even have that conversation? Three days. Three days. Three days of dating. <laughs> how many days did we date, honey, before we were official? Days, no months. We date three months. No, but I remember we had a conversation. We broke oh, yeah. up. First day. You guys broke the up? First the first day? first day, he told me, hey, I'm looking to settle down and get married. And I'm like, sitting on his lap. And I'm like, no, thank you. Right there, right there where you're at, Dre. <laughs> right there where you're sitting. Right here? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Remember the brown couch? Yeah, the brown couch. Yeah, no, I'm not ready. Wow. Dre, 22. So that was on the third day he told you this? or The first date he told you this. So then what happened after? What changed your she, mind? We broke up. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not ready to settle down. I'm barely started dating. Yes, but you came back. So how long did that take? I took a day because <laughs> the following day, Robert calls me. Okay, Robert says, calls you. And Esther, Sita, you're such a sweetheart. I don't want waiting. Sorry for pressuring you. I really like you. I really want to know, I really want to like, know you more. And I'm like, okay, you take this little man <laughs> oh, and I took it slow, and then you thought I took it too slow. You took it too slow three years after. 
Rockies, like, like, the second year, I was already, like, antsy, like, dude, are you going to marry me or not? The third year is finally. <laughs> so, what do you remember from that phone call after she broke up with you? That next day, you called her. What do you remember? Oh, no, I remember that night. That night, I went down to Taco Bell and I gorged myself. Oh, my God. Yeah, and guess what Esther did? What did Esther do? <laughs> she went to Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. The same Taco Bell. Drive through, and at that point, I was super, like, Healthy. strict on what I was up to. Yeah. I was in the garage, like, losing weight. Yeah. And I get home, and I'm taking Taco Bell, and my brothers haven't seen me take any type of fast food yeah. in a year at the house. Yeah. And they look at me, and they're like, Shit, sister, you already broke your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There was Esther crying, eating her Taco oh Bell, and me too. God. So, what was going through your mind when that happened after you gorged yourself? Well, here's the thing. I wanted, I, I made a commitment, a few commitments, um, after that long relationship that I had. Um, and one of the commitments was to be honest from inception for someone that I would be dating. So that's why you told her that the first date? That my intent was eventually to get married and settle down. Mm -hmm. What Esther heard was, I'm ready to get married and settle down. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until after I had Taco Bell and kind of molded over because I really liked Esther. I thought she was sweetheart. Um, that overnight I realized, you know what, I think my intention was misunderstood as a kind of, you know, preemptive, I'm ready to get married right now, or you. And I reworded what I said, and I apologized, and I told her, you know what, I don't, I don't care about any of that, just if we could go out and date let's see where it leads and Esther was open to it um, and that's that's where it started so you guys dated for what six months and then became officially a couple or I think I think we were a couple right from the get-go after that weren't we I think so that's what it felt like okay definitely nice. it felt like such Inseparable at that point. Nice. Yeah, we were together all the time, but we, you know they say they say that distance grows the heart fonder. Mm -hmm. Esther was going to school full time; she had a full time job, and I can only see him in the weekends. On the weekends, or sometimes on an evening, sometimes. So a lot of it was via text or phone call. To the point that I would like ditch my college class, and Robert Oh, so sweet. <laughs> so, when did you realize that you loved her? Since you don't like the word falling in love. No, it's not about loved her. I cared about her. So, from very early on. And when would you use the word love for her then? I had love for her early on. And the first year? Oh, I would say after that breakup not breakup I had I definitely had love for Esther there was no question when did you realize that you wanted to marry her 
I think I would have married Esther that first year, but she wasn't ready. <laughs> Were you? How do you know she wasn't ready? Was because she told me that was a breakup that we had. That was a conversation. Yeah, okay. to take it slow. Yeah, got it. But apparently I was too slow. <laughs> so how, how would you describe love now? How would I describe love? How do you feel about love? How would you define it? First thing, I don't think love's a feeling. That's the first point. Oh, okay, it's not. Okay. It has nothing to do with feeling. It has everything to do with a personal commitment. Do you not feel anything? Are you like a robot? No, I, I think love and feeling are two completely different things. So you can never feel love? You can feel someone's love, someone's compassion, someone's kindness someone's caring you can feel that okay so you describe your love as a thought i describe my love as a commitment a commitment love is a commitment it's a commitment to someone to something it's a so that is still how it's you a define devotion love. it's a devotion to someone to something so from a child to now you still see love as a commitment oh absolutely it's a devotion it's a I wouldn't call it, I mean, you have like adoration that, you know, the adoration for um, people that adore uh, uh, relics of the temple of the churches and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and adoration is something that people consider as love. That's not love, it's adoration. I mean, it's completely different. When did you decide that falling in love is not a thing? I never decided falling in love isn't a thing. I just think that the idea of falling in something is more like falling in lust or falling in um, some sort of pleasure versus the idea of falling out of love. Because if you fall in love, you can fall out of love. And the reality is you can say that if you no longer please me or I no longer feel something, then we no longer have something, and yet it's 100% the direction of the heart of the commitment. If I'm committed to do something, it, it's irrespective of how I feel about it. I mean, seriously, irrespective of how I feel. Because the feeling has nothing to do with the commitment. Do you remember another instant with you and Esther where you felt that, that uh, intense need to commit, I guess? Because it, it doesn't seem like I can say the word love. Intense need to commit. Yes. What I really want to say is there a moment where you felt like I really do love this girl. This woman. Are you saying the... I'm going to reward it. Are you, are you actually asking, is there a moment that I remember that I said to myself, she's the one. Yes. Okay. The, the interesting question is I never considered the feeling that someone may have on the opposite side of my feeling. And Esther made me understand something that I never understood, which was when a woman is unmarried, I discovered 
she feels like she can be thrown away at any moment. Discarded. Because there's no marriage. There's no commitment. And the marriage is the commitment. And that's the love, is the marriage. So without the commitment, what do you have? You have fun. You're now a theme park that you leave at night. I mean, what is it? And fun has nothing to do with love or commitment. So when I realized that there is actually a feeling general of many individuals where they feel disposable, that to me needed to be resolved because I at no time felt in my expression in my sentiment, in my thought, I never felt that Esther was disposable. I never felt that Esther was someone I could necessarily just throw, cast aside and be like, next, you know, whoever's next. And yet, I think it's something unspoken that people deal with because there is a general insecurity with a lot of people that they do feel disposable. And at that moment, I realized, you know, I really have to commit to Esther in a sense that she understands that I'm committing. I felt committed before that, but without the, without the physical commitment of a marriage, I think a lot of doubt can creep in and a lot of questions can be asked. So that's the moment when I realized that, quote, I knew that I was going to get married with Esther if she was willing, and she was, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't answer the question. Not really, but it's okay. Wait. I wanted to hear, like, a moment where she did something or said something where you're like, she is the one. Something that made your heart flutter. No, Some there, there's, there's a... I, I, I think it's a cumulative... I think it's a cumulative growth. Got it. What drew you to Esther? Well, the fact that she's really got a giving heart. I mean, she was a, a school uh, teacher assistant. Um, she worked at a grade school. She helped her family out. She's loving with all her siblings. She's always concerned about others. She's a giver. And that really drew me. Um, I realized that a giving heart, someone in uh, teaching or someone in um, the medical field or something yeah. like that, that they have a self-sacrificing heart. And it's more giving than taking. And I knew that I was drawn to that personality after the year split from that bad long term that a giving heart was much better. Someone who cares about others instead of just themselves. If there was like a word of wisdom to the younger folks, what would it be when it comes to the dating life? A word of wisdom to anyone would be do the right thing, be the right person. Be honest in your 
relationships. Be honest with someone. If you're there for a good time, tell them I'm here just for a good time. If you're there for a serious commitment, tell them, you know what, I'm, I'm looking to date someone for something a little more serious. Stop worrying about what other people are thinking and just be honest and try to be good. Try to be a decent person. Try to be at not fault, not at fault. Try to be not at fault. Because at the end of the day, after a bad relationship or a good relationship, because relationships do end and they end outside of your control most of the time, at the very least, you can sit back and say, my hands are clean. I did the right thing. And I'm not the person that did the evil bad thing because there can always be a villain in a relationship. Don't be a villain and definitely don't be a victim, but just be a hero, be someone good, be someone decent, be someone kind. And it's okay if someone used you, it's okay because they don't use you anymore. And it can be a past experience and it's okay you learn from it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have so much energy and negativity drawing from you that you're going to obsess because someone used you. Yeah, get over it. People use people. I mean, that's what people do. So that's the best words I can encourage anyone with. Thank you, Robert. You're, You're welcome. Very fascinating. <laughs> As you said it sarcastically. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add before I delete me? <laughs> Anything else I want to add? Yeah, something that you thought that you wanted to say. Anything I cut you off on. You didn't cut me off on anything. No? Okay. Thank you, Robert and Esther. I hope it was worth the wait. It you was waited worth the like wait. all day for me. <laughs> You're good. I gotta wake up at five. Are you gonna help me do a lot?